Hello guys and welcome to the Lean With Plants podcast. I'm Chelsea, former overweight, healthy vegan, confused about why I couldn't look like my favorite plant-based influencers even though I was chugging back green smoothies every day. After a decade of unsustainable vegan diets, I learned the truth about weight loss, lost 40 pounds, and now I'm in the best shape of my life even after two kids. Girl, if you've been struggling to drop the pounds as a vegan, stuck in a cycle of self-sabotage, sick of yo-yo dieting and going hungry, never being able to get and stay lean, then this is the podcast for you. Each week I share the no BS truth about why vegan women are overweight, the action steps to get you shedding fat, and the mindset you'll need to get slim for life. I'm stoked to have you here. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to another episode. We are going to be talking today about how to get in touch with your fullness and hunger cues. I'm going to be sharing with you how I went from massively needing to overeat and stuff myself at pretty much every meal, which was a response to a lot of restriction that I had in my early 20s, and to now coming to a place where I feel like I have a, I'm really, really in tune with my hunger cues. Like I can leave a couple of bites on my plate and I'm absolutely fine doing that. Uh, and it's been a journey. It's been a journey to get there. So I want to share with you what that's looked like. We're going to be talking about uh, a little bit of the principles to do with intuitive eating. And yeah, this, this is going to get interesting because intuitive eating is a whole huge topic. There's been so many books written about it. But what I want to present to you today is some of the principles. I'm going to dissect those from my own perspective. And from that, you're going to have a framework where you can pull out what is helpful for you. I do not want this to be more rules that you have to follow. Uh, so that is not the goal of this. And secondly, after we go through those intuitive in- eating principles, we're going to look at how you can practically have some tools to get more in tune with your fullness cues. What this is going to do is it's going to make it easier to get into a calorie deficit and actually lose weight. It's going to make your eating experience more enjoyable and satisfying and it's going to help you feel like you're not eating compulsively. So these are obviously very, very important things. So what I've seen is people use this term intuitive eating to kind of describe anything. It's a term that's thrown out a lot and most of the time when I hear people say it, they're talking about things like knowing when you're full, knowing when you have had enough to eat, uh, knowing the kind of foods that your body wants to eat. So people say things like, oh, you know, I was craving this and that meant X, Y, Z, or I was wanting this thing and I honored that because I'm eating intuitively. Uh, People will also use it when they're talking about when they eat. So they won't, they'll say, oh, I'm eating intuitively, so I won't eat when I'm not hungry. As I was looking into this more, and by looking into it, I mean mostly doing a Google search, which Google's great. Like, use Google. I always say to people, Google is your friend. Please go and look stuff up. You'll learn a lot more if you just go and have a little look than if you don't. Uh, obviously, it's I didn't have read a an entire book in the 10 minutes that I decided that I was going to talk about this. Uh, 
But what I came to realize from doing a little bit of looking around is that intuitive eating as a concept is actually much deeper than that and there's a few different schools of thought on it but they follow a similar kind of principle and there was a book that was written which has these 10 pillars of intuitive eating now here's the thing some of these things I agree with and some of them I I actually don't so what we're going to do is we're going to look through these 10 pillars and I'm going to just read out kind of the overview of them in terms of from an intuitive eating standpoint and then I'm going to look at them from my own perspective and what I want this to do and what I want you to do as you listen is to pick and choose the kind of things that resonate with you and the things that are going to be helpful for you on your journey and one thing I want to point out before we get into this is that there is a school of thought and it has to do a lot of it has to do with set point theory which I've done another podcast episode on and I, I really recommend that it's a two point it's a two part series it was very very in depth it was probably the most in depth podcast uh, topic I've ever covered and set point theory is this idea that your body has a set weight that it likes to sit at and that if you do things to try and change that set point then your body will have Uh, these kind of defense mechanisms to combat it so if you lose weight it has defensive mechanisms to make you gain weight back up to that point and if you gain weight it has defensive mechanisms to get you back down to that point so it's kind of like turning on a heater in your room and uh, your heater goes on when it hits a certain temperature and then it goes off when it hits that temperature so it's like a thermostat that is the basic concept of set point theory now in case you have not listened to that podcast I'm going to give you the spoiler alert. Set point theory is just too simplistic a concept uh, to explain the amazing and varied mechanisms that our bodies have to defend our weights and where our weights end up. It is much more complex than just a thermostat. There are defensive mechanisms that stop you getting past a certain point in both areas whether that is a higher weight or a lower weight but that's more of a range all right and it's kind of obvious that those things would exist because the bigger you get for example the bigger that you get the more calories your body needs to maintain that it gets harder and harder to actually maintain that so if you go from being 300 pounds uh, it's hard to actually maintain that weight unless you're eating like a lot of calories If you go back to like a a really, really normal diet, like the kind of diet that we recommend in Lean of Plants that is recommended by every single plant-based doctor, which is a whole foods, plant-based diet, low in fat, uh, low in processed foods, like you would struggle to maintain that weight. You would lose weight very, very, very quickly. Likewise, if you are very lean, let's say you're 16% body fat, the amount of calories that you need to maintain that is so is so low that it's very very hard for you to actually keep at that weight you would have to have a very high activity level most people if this is not uh if if you're not like genetically blessed with 
something kind of outside the ordinary, it's hard for most people to maintain a 16% body fat. It's not impossible, but it gets really, really difficult because you would have to be moving a lot more than normal and you would have to be eating a lot less calories than most people would feel comfortable eating. So this is this is kind of how this works. It's mostly to do with environment and then there's parameters on that which are going to uh, kind of dictate how hard it is to maintain a certain weight. So that's a very, very brief overview of this works. And the reason that I wanted to talk to you about that is because a lot of uh, these concepts of things like intuitive eating, they, I, and a lot of the people that really, really take hold of these ideas believe that set point theory is true. So they believe that it is it is not worth dieting or it is not worth trying to change your set weight because that is not shown to be effective. And it's true, there is a lot of research that suggests that it is very, very hard for people to actually maintain any kind of weight loss. And this is the, these are the studies that a lot of people base their ideology off, uh, is that it's kind of like that dieting is always harmful because it is a strain to your mental health and it is not effective. So I just want you to understand that when we look at something like intuitive eating and when we go through these principles and these 10 pillars, uh, a, a lot of this is based off of the fact that, uh, of set point theory, or a lot of people that subscribe to these ideas have this this concept of set point theory or a, a kind of like a set body weight in mind, which is not actually supported by the data, um, even though, it is true that for most diets, they will not be effective, especially in the long run. So let's get into going through these 10 pillars. So the first pillar is to reject the diet mentality. The diet mentality is the idea that there's a diet out there that will work for you. Intuitive eating is the anti-diet. So you can see instantly that it's this kind of, it's this concept that there actually isn't a diet that is going to work for you, that all diets are inherently going to fail and so this isn't actually true we can see that people who go on to a whole foods plant-based diet that is not calorie restricted uh, can actually maintain their weight loss like I'm, I'm living proof of that and there are lots and lots of examples and there's one really really gold standard study that looks at how effective this can be and I talk about that in the set point theory podcast episode so I, I would just, my commentary on this is that I don't think that dieting is inherently bad. I think that most dieting is inherently ineffective. <laughs> but I want to put it out there that, I mean, you're obviously listening to this podcast. So you want to lose weight or you're wanting to build up strong habits that are going to lead to a lifestyle that gets you to lose weight. I don't think that using the word diet or describing that as a diet is inaccurate or even evil. I don't think that this word dieting or this idea that uh, of dieting and changing how you live your life to get to a certain way is inherently bad. I think that it's been given a bad rep, uh, but it's kind of like the word religion. And people will say, like, I'm a Christian. And there's a lot of people that will say, you know, Christianity is not a religion. I was like, well, what, what does religion mean? It's, it's really subscribing to a set of beliefs and a lifestyle 
that conforms to those beliefs. Like that's the definition of what a religion is. So by that definition, Christianity is definitely a religion. Here's the thing though, there's nothing wrong with being able to categorize things based on the principles that they follow. But what is bad and what does become uh, negative is when those things start to rule you, when those things cease to become tools. And I think this is what happens with dieting. So in the same way that something like a religion is not bad, it would say religiosity and enforcing rules or conforming to rules without understanding the reason for them. Yeah, that's negative. It's not, I hate rules. I hate that idea. But in terms of uh, this kind of concept that you must be anti-diet, I don't subscribe to that. I think that like it's it's accurate to say that, I mean, this is a whole foods plant-based diet. You have a standard American diet. The diet is just a way of eating. So anti-diet is, is kind of a nonsensical term in my mind. What matters here is that rules don't become more important than principles. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. I'm not anti-diet, I'm pro-empowered decision making. And I think that you can be too. I don't think you need to be scared of things like the word diet or whether you are anti-diet or anti-diet culture. These these are kind of very tribalistic terms that I think we use to help us feel like a sense of identity and a sense of belonging. But it's kind of ironic because by saying, oh, I won't subscribe to this ideology and then putting yourself in another box to have to subscribe to the anti of it of it we kind of do the same thing we make it about rules so use what is helpful for you in terms of the diet that you subscribe to and i don't think you need to really really worry about putting a label on it the question is is your diet slash lifestyle and the choices that you make are they serving you are they getting you to where they want to go it doesn't have to be anti it doesn't have to be pro There is a diet and a way of eating out there that will work for you. It's a calorie deficit. It works for everyone, all right? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you believe in set point theory or not. A calorie deficit is the thing that is going to get you losing weight. So the question now becomes, what is the easiest and simplest way to do that? That also benefits your long-term health and your mental health. And that is a whole foods plant-based diet focused on low calorie dense foods. And I'm going to suggest that it is a lifestyle focused on habit creation, not quick fixes. Ooh, so there was a lot for me to talk about the first one. Just the first one. I'll try and make this quicker as we go along. Okay, so number two of the principles of intuitive eating is honor your hunger. Hunger is not your enemy. Respond to your early signs of hunger by feeding your body. If you let yourself get excessively hungry, then you're likely to overeat. I 100% agree with this one. I could not agree more. I would even go so far as to say there is nothing wrong with preempting hunger. And I, I really, really believe that. So this is where it gets interesting because some people will say that they practice intuitive eating and they only eat when they're hungry. So they won't eat at set meal times. I eat my meals at set times so that I don't get ravenously hungry at a time that it's not going to suit me. Do what works for you, but for most people, a schedule and a routine is going to make it easier to form a habit. So bear that in mind. You don't have to 
just eat when you are hungry. You can eat at 8 a.m., at 12 p.m., at 6 p.m., whatever it is for you. Do not be scared of setting a schedule for yourself. This is actually really, really helpful when you're trying to form a habit. So again, look at these things like principles and pick and choose what is going to be helpful for you. You do not have to follow this like rules. Number three, make peace with food. Call a truce on the war with food. Get rid of ideas about what you should or shouldn't eat. Okay, so my take on this is rather than shoulds or shouldn'ts, you actually get to ask the question, does this serve me to where I'm trying to go? Does this help me move forward in what's important in my life? Only you can answer that. I believe that health is one of the most valuable assets that we have and as much as that we get a say in that I think that we should be pursuing a healthy life. Uh, Obviously my husband or not so obviously my husband has multiple sclerosis. We have done everything that we can to give him the best chance of fighting that but he's, he's still not in the best of health right you do what you can. But ultimately, you make the decisions about what is important to you. I can tell you, till I'm black and blue in the face, that it's important to be healthy. But that has to be something that is actually meaningful for you. And so when you're looking at these things about making peace with food, do that in the concept of saying, what matters to me? Does my, how my, my body is, does my health matter to me? Is my lifestyle and you know being able to eat whatever I want is that important to me what actually matters to me for me veganism is really important to me a whole foods plant-based diet is important to me I've I've made that decision from an ethical and health standpoint so when I say I'm not going to eat animal products anymore that's not that I don't have peace with food it's that I don't believe that eating animal products serves me and where I want to go It's a decision that helps me to move forward in what's important to me. I don't think that labels are inherently bad either. So I know some people who will say, you know, I I don't like labels, so I'm not going to call myself a vegan because there's some people that, you know, are just crap vegans, (laughs) which obviously there are. I'm okay with the word veganism. I'm okay with being described as a vegan because it's a descriptive word. And it describes the ethics and the things that I believe to be true. It's a set of beliefs. It's kind of like diet. It's just a descriptive word. My husband, on the other hand, doesn't uh, like to be called a vegan. He said, like, well, I'm not a vegan. I'm on a plant-based diet. Because he, and he doesn't eat animal products, but he doesn't necessarily uh, subscribe to all of the belief systems that I do. And that's all right. So I don't think it's necessarily about what you should or shouldn't eat. But I think you need to be asking the question, what actually serves me and what matters to me? Number four, challenge the food police. Okay, this is such interesting wording here. Food is not good or bad and you are not good or bad for what you eat or don't eat. Challenge thoughts that tell you otherwise. So my take on this is food isn't bad or good. I agree. I think context matters a lot. And I've said this in... Another episode that I've done on uh, good or bad weight loss foods. And I'm going to link to that episode in the podcast. Go and listen to it. Uh, in that episode, I'm talking about how good and bad is it's such black and white thinking. And if you were stuck on a desert island with a box of Twinkies, 
and you had nothing else to eat, then that would be the healthiest thing for you to eat, right? That would be the absolute best thing. If there's a choice between starvation and literally anything, then you would be better to eat whatever it is. So context is always important. I don't think good or bad labels are helpful. I don't like the terminology. I totally agree with that. But in saying that, something can be better or worse. This is a this is a comparison rather than a dichotomy. All right. Some foods are objectively better in comparison than others, but foods aren't bad. Okay. So choose the foods that again fit your goals, fit where you want to go, and then understand that no food is not good or bad, but it can be better or worse. And this is from an objective standpoint. Number five is respect your fullness. Just as your body tells you when it's hungry, it also tells you when it's full. Listen for the signals of comfortable fullness when you feel that you've had enough. As you're eating, check in with yourself to see how the food tastes and how hungry or full you are feeling. And yeah, I I really agree with this. I think that respecting your fullness is really, really important. Uh... (laughs) I'm going to talk about this as we go on a little bit more and some practical hacks to help you. But yeah, nothing. I I think that this is great and I think that this is great advice. Number six is to discover the satisfaction factor. Make your eating experience enjoyable. Have a meal that tastes good to you. Sit down to eat it. When you are making a pleasurable experience, when you make eating a pleasurable experience, you may find it takes less food to satisfy you. Oh, this is really, really interesting. This is really interesting wording where it's it's kind of implying that at the very end there that less food is inherently good. I'm not, I would contest that. That's not always the case. But in, in concept, I, I definitely think that this is, is good advice to follow. Make the eating experience enjoyable to you. What I'm going to say about that though is that satisfaction is so subjective We'll get to this a little bit later on, but even satisfaction of a meal is going to somewhat depend on whether that meal fits your goals or not. You're going to feel, well, for me at least, I'm going to feel more satisfaction during and after a meal that I know is helping me stay on track with my goals and what's important to me. Like, I enjoy the taste of chips. I enjoy the taste of burgers. But as I'm eating that, even though that is a hyper-stimulating experience in terms of dopamine and satisfaction, I don't actually get that much satisfaction from it. I get more satisfaction from a meal which I know is healthy, but that I also enjoy. Satisfaction also has a lot to do with how hungry you are. Look, you can see this so, so clearly if you have kids. If you don't let them have anything between lunch and dinner, and sometimes I'll do this, I try to do this so that my kids will actually eat their dinner. Man, they love what's on their plate if they are hungry. Satisfaction is subjective. If you are used to eating a diet that is high dopamine hit, high bliss point, So things that have been manufactured and engineered to give you the maximum crispy and saltiness and sweetness to give you the most 
highlighting brain experience possible, then a plain baked potato is not going to be very satisfying for you. So I want you to understand that, that just because in any given moment, you may find one meal more satisfying than the other, just understand that there's so many things that go into that and that that's not fixed. Just like your weight is not fixed to a set point that you have no control over changing, your satisfaction of a meal is also not fixed. It is hyper pliable. It is so flexible. So yeah, you got to understand that just because you feel like you love something now does not mean that you always will and that that can't change. It, it can and it, it probably should for most of us. So satisfaction being something that you need to find implies that it is this kind of set point that's discoverable. If I was going to rewrite that, I would say find the most satisfying thing that also fits your health and lifestyle goals. Number seven is honor your feelings without using food. Emotional eating is a strategy for coping with feelings. Find ways that are unrelated to food to deal with your feelings such as taking a walk, meditating, journaling, or calling a friend. Become aware of the times when a feeling that you might call hunger is really based on emotion. I would tend to agree with this. I would just put in that hunger, even hunger, is is quite subjective. It is quite nuanced. So I, I would personally not put the pressure on myself or think that it's necessary to put pressure on you to say that you have to eat when you have to find true hunger. This is kind of what it boils down to. I actually don't think there's anything wrong with finding ways to cope with emotions that do involve food. I don't think you should do this all the time. I don't think it should be the only tool in your toolkit. But if it's helpful for you and it's also in line with your goals and it's not hindering your progress, I don't really see a huge issue with that. I think we put too much pressure on ourselves to deal with negativity in this perfect way. And when it comes to emotions and it comes to dealing with feelings, a lot of the time that's survival. That's survival to get just to get through it. I know that I feel like that. So yeah, you can use itchy mouth foods, which are foods that are kind of lower in calories. They satisfy that itch. You can make better alternatives to what you're craving that still fit into your goals that are going to make you feel good about it. I don't think that you have to be this kind of all in or all out, you know, either use food to satisfy uh, or to help a feeling or not. Maybe you can meet in the middle and I would consider that progress. So for me, I don't think that this is super black and white. Number eight is to respect your body. Rather than criticizing your body for how it looks and what you perceive as wrong, recognize it as capable and beautiful just as it is. I don't, okay, I have so many thoughts on this and I don't even know that if this is the right platform to be sharing them, to be honest. But I think that we have so much of an obsession with things needing to be beautiful and obsessing over the body needing to be beautiful. I think that that's a lot of pressure. I think it's a lot of pressure to think that we have to feel beautiful all the time. Beauty does not need to define you or how you feel about your body in any given moment. It doesn't mean that it's inherently true whether you feel beautiful or whether you don't feel beautiful. Accepting where you're at doesn't mean that you can't move forward at the same time. It's okay to want to lose weight and get healthier while still being okay with who you are. 
I just want to say like, do we really have to keep making this about beauty? Can we stop defining ourselves by how we look, whether that's beautiful or not? Can we base it on something more important than whether you even believe that you're beautiful or someone else says that you're beautiful? Why have we put this as the pinnacle of value as women? We're not obsessed with calling men beautiful. We're not obsessed with making them feel like they're beautiful. We have other things that we think are more important. We have other qualities that we say matter. But we're still kind of stuck in this mode where we have to think that we need to be beautiful. The reality is that you could be walking down the street tomorrow, this is very morbid, and be hit by a car and become horrifically disfigured. And yeah, you're still going to be beautiful to someone. You might not be to the majority of people. My question is, does it matter? Does it matter if you're not beautiful? Does it matter if you're not? If you are, we all want to feel that way. But I do think that it's time that we stop needing to be and needing everything and everyone to look and feel beautiful and so focus on something more meaningful. What if we focused on kindness? What if we focused on virtues and character development? What if we focused on how we are under pressure, who we want to be? Is beautiful on that list when you think about your aspirational identity and who it matters to you to be in the future? Is beauty your highest priority? If it's definitely not mine, even though I do want to be beautiful. So yes, respect your body. But again, ask yourself, where do you want to go and be moving to that point? And I would say I'm going to encourage you to start thinking about whether you actually need to be putting so much of a focus on whether you even see yourself as beautiful and maybe start asking, do I see myself as kind? Do myself do, do I see myself as being able to keep commitments? Do I see myself as someone who can do difficult things even when I don't want to? Okay, number nine is exercise. Feel the difference. Find ways to move your body that you enjoy. Shift the focus from losing weight to feel energized, strong, and alive. And I 100% agree with this one. I think that you should use exercise as a way to improve your mental and physical health. And exercise does not lead to weight loss. I've done a podcast episode on this, why exercise won't help you lose weight. It has just been shown to not be effective because it is so hard to burn a lot of calories with exercise and we have ways that we compensate for that extra uh, calorie burn by moving less and eating slightly more so do not think that exercise is going to help you lose weight it doesn't it hasn't been shown to help unless you go over this threshold of exercising so 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 much and i would not recommend that and most people are not going to be able to do that anyway number 10 honor your health gentle nutrition Remember that it's your overall food patterns that shape your health. One meal or snack isn't going to make or break your health. And I would agree with this again. I do agree with this. And I want to come back to the question. Is my lifestyle supporting what's important to me? This is what is, I I believe, the real question here. One out-of-plan meal, one snack does not change the trajectory. As long as everything else is moving you to where you want to be, right? So what you've got to ask is, uh, is that meal, is that snack, is the pattern of my behavior getting me to where I want to be or is it holding me back from where I want to be? And only you can answer that question. So as we've gone through these 10 principles of intuitive eating, 
the conclusion that I came to was that what I'm talking about when I'm talking about honoring hun- hunger and fullness cues is actually not, you would not define that as intuitive eating. You probably could more define that as mindful eating, but for all intents and purposes, we're just going to call this how to get in touch with your fullness and your hunger cues. And I want to share my story now about how I've been able to do that. And then I'm going to share some practical ways of being able to do this. You can take whatever you want that you find helpful from intuitive eating. Maybe you find all of that helpful. Maybe you have massively benefited from principles of intuitive eating. I think that's fantastic. Use what is helpful for you. Use what I say that helps you and leave the rest. You have the freedom to do this. This is not a religion. It is just principles designed to help you in your life. So back when I was 21, I was eating a very, very restrictive diet. I really didn't understand how it worked. I had this vague concept of uh, calorie counting and I remember being so tired because I was, I was not only trying to calorie count, I was also going vegan for the first time and I was trying to cut carbs or at least lower the amount of carbs I was eating. I was also trying to eat a lot of raw. I was doing everything. It was like this horrible mishmash of everything, <laughs> taking kind of all these ideas and throwing it at the wall, seeing what would stick. And I, I was losing weight at this time, but I, I remember feeling so incredibly tired and I distinctly remember trying to like walk up the stairs to get to a classroom and I was just like this is so hard and I I knew that something was wrong I knew that it wasn't working but I didn't feel like I had another way I didn't feel like there was anything else that was going to work so I, I felt very trapped in that but needless to say when you restrict at all in terms of to that point of feeling so so hungry there's almost always a rebound to that and after a little while I I just I just gave up I was like no it's not worth it to me anymore and it was a it was kind of like a gradual slip but as soon as you start eating normally from a diet or massive restriction you go it just feels so good that you want to continue it and I would have these episodes when I was massively restricting where I would Like I would eat like half a loaf of bread and I'd feel so mad about that. And I would just be putting like so much peanut butter and jam and just eating so, so much. And then I'd feel really, really guilty. And I look back now and I'm like, okay, that was, that was just a kind of a rebound experience from my body just trying to get in more calories uh, when I felt like I was starving because I was hungry all the time. So after that time, I... I kind of went on this bender where I needed to eat a lot of food. And it was about that time where I found uh, raw veganism and I didn't understand. I really didn't understand raw veganism. I didn't understand the concept that you actually have to eat so much food as a raw vegan because it just digests very, very quickly. Raw food digests so incredibly quickly and it's lower in calories. So you have to eat more. So initially when I tried to do it, I was not eating enough. I couldn't eat enough in like my short work breaks to, to, to kind of pull me over for a couple of hours. So I'd get ravenously hungry and then eat, end up eating like a ton of takeout and things like that. It was a nightmare. When I learned a little bit more about how it worked and I kind of, I, I read the book 801010, which I do think is a good book. It, it really got me started on this health journey and the emphasis 
is on a, a, a completely raw diet. So that's what 80 10 10 is a very low fat, uh, raw fruit based diet. So that to me was this kind of pinnacle of health that I was trying to. Uh, that I was trying to achieve and I thought that if I could achieve that I would be able to get and stay lean and that was my big goal it was it was not that I really wanted to be fully raw I thought that that was the only way that I was going to achieve my goals but here's the thing if you're eating mostly raw if you're eating fully raw which I was trying to do at different periods of my life you are going to get hungry a lot and you're going to get really really hungry so I would get ravenously hungry in a couple of hours after eating like a a 10 banana smoothie and so you'd have to eat so much food to kind of mitigate that so you've got these two (laughs) factors which I believe are a recipe for disaster when it comes to consistency so the first one being is that you you get hungry really really quickly after you finish eating right so you, you're constantly thinking about food. And then the next one is that when you are hungry, it's not just like a little bit. It's not like a little kind of hunger that comes on. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's all right. It's you are so ravenously hungry. So you've got hunger that comes on quickly and then you've got an extreme hunger that comes on quickly. So my consistency was bad like I could do it for a couple of weeks I could do it for a couple of months the longest that I ever did was four months but then it was it was a rebound it was not a lifestyle that I was able to maintain but what I had taught myself psychologically and physiologically over that point I'm going to say psychologically because it's harder to prove the physiological thing and I believe it was mostly psychological is I taught myself Two things. Number one, that I had to eat huge portions for me to feel satisfied. And number two was it was this reactive feeling to going to bed hungry that I had experienced every night during my my most restrictive phase. That I had gone to bed hungry with my stomach growling at 8pm every night and I went to bed so early because I couldn't stand how hungry I felt. And so after that time, it was like, I cannot feel hungry. I will feel so stressed if I am like not stuffed to bursting after after a meal, especially after a nighttime meal, because that was like, you know, I'm not going to eat any more after dinner. Like that's the cutoff point. So I have to feel so, so full at dinner time. And I had this for a really long time. Like I had this for years and years and most of you will know my story because I've talked about it in other episodes. But when I had my second daughter, I was wanting to lose weight. I'd gained quite a bit of weight, probably about 18 kilos. So about, I'm going to say like 35 pounds, uh, maybe less, maybe like 30 pounds uh, in that pregnancy. Even though I was vegan, I was not eating raw. Like I just ate whatever I wanted during that pregnancy. And... I just didn't want to go back to raw. I thought that raw was the only way that I was going to be able to lose weight. And I was like, no, I cannot handle the idea of going to bed hungry. I cannot handle the idea of having a cold smoothie in winter at night. It just it just seemed like, I, no, I, I can't do that. So that's when I started to learn about how I eat now, which is really just using calorie density to make educated decisions about what is going to get me into a calorie deficit. And if you want to know more about that, then every single episode 
pretty much talks about that. You can go back to the very beginning and, and you'll learn um, in the, of this podcast uh, how to get into a calorie deficit without counting calories. So once I learned that, I I started to eat a lot of potatoes and a lot of vegetables. And here's the thing about potatoes and vegetables. They're not very interesting. So even though, and I was, I was able to stay full for a lot longer. So I was finding that I wasn't actually getting as hungry. I would still eat a lot, but I would only eat a lot to the point where I was like stuffed, but it wasn't like I was eating because of the taste. Because here's the other thing as well, is that what I was, what I would almost always try and do when I was uh, kind of like my more moderate eating was I thought that I had to eat raw till four. So I would be eating smoothies and salads and tons and tons of fruits uh, up until dinner time. And then because I didn't really get like a lot of satisfaction from that, it wasn't something that I really enjoyed. My nighttime meal, my dinner time meal, which really would have been better to be my lightest meal of the day became the biggest like feast meal of the day you know it was like I was saving up all my enjoyment of my meals until the end of the day so I've got these kind of I've got all of these like crap storm things going on here where I've trained myself to eat these huge decadent portions late at well not late at night but at night I've trained myself to, you know, I just hate this idea of, of eating moderately and all of these different things that I've kind of done over years of eating a certain way and not really understanding how this works. So I started eating these more, more potatoes and kind of instantly I'm like, I don't really feel like I need to eat as much because it's boring. Like, especially plain potatoes guys I do not like plain potatoes I love sweet potatoes this is the only reason I don't eat them they are good for you uh, definitely do eat them if you like them but I just don't love them so I was eating vegetables and a lot of plain-ish potatoes and I just couldn't really eat that much I just didn't really want to eat that so that was the first thing that started to change I'm still someone who likes to eat big portions of things but I wasn't eating as much as if I, it was like a, a curry and rice which was you know like I would go back for we had these huge bowls my husband and I we had these like massive bowls and we would just go back and eat so so much curry and rice it's actually shocking when I think about it now so then what I was finding as well is that the food that I was eating was actually tying me over a lot more uh, moderately than what I'd been eating so a smoothie I would be getting really hungry with it but when I was eating something like porridge for breakfast or I was eating kumra or sweet potato or potato I it wasn't like this hunger that just hit me and took control it was much more manageable for me and so this kind of went on and on for a little while and I just started to notice that I was feeling kind of better about food. I was feeling like I just didn't need to eat as much. It was plainer. I I wasn't feeling that kind of ravenous feeling. I still ate a lot. Here's the thing. I think it was really, really important for me, especially in the beginning, that I was still eating a lot. I was eating as much as I wanted. I wasn't restricting how much I was eating ever. I was making that a huge priority to eat until I was really, really full. But over time, I found that that was less of a necessity and it was more something where I could be in tune with 
you know what was actually working for me on that day and I've heard I'm going to talk a little bit about like all these kind of ideas of you know we eat a consistent volume of food every day and I'll talk about that a little bit in a little bit more this podcast episode is actually going a long time so I'll try and wrap it up a bit quicker one thing that was quite pivotal though was I I found a girl online and I started following her and she was talking about intuitive eating. So I never saw anything about these 10 principles. So there's obviously a lot of intuitive eating that is not just these 10 principles, but she had a little workbook that you could download and she's not vegan or anything like that, but she had a few principles in there of things to do while you were eating to be more in touch with your hunger cues and your fullness cues. And I started thinking about these things and starting to try and implement them as I was eating. And what I realized is that it was actually, once I was thinking about it differently, it was actually quite easy for me to check in with myself about how I was going. And it was really, really simple things. And I'm going to talk about them in a second. So what happened over time through reading that and through what I think was really just a couple of years of kind of psychological healing I'm going to call it that even though it sounds really really woo woo I don't really know what it was but I I think I just got to the point where I was like no longer scared that I would go to bed hungry and I don't go to bed hungry but I think I just stopped being scared of being hungry and I'm at that point now where I'm not scared of being hungry because I'm really ravenously hungry really really ravenously hungry And so I'm kind of operating now at this quite moderate level where most of the time I feel like satisfied, but I'm not feeling like super stuffed. And then most of the time, uh, like, you know, even when I'm really, really hungry, it's, it's not that same kind of hunger. It's not that gnawing, like you've only had a smoothie to eat today kind of hunger. So it's, it's kind of operating in a much more moderate level. And I think a lot of that was just time. It was just me working through a really living a healthy way of eating and overanalyzing it in the beginning but then slowly beginning to trust that you know I I could make those decisions on a day-to-day basis about how full I was feeling and I really did eat a lot especially in the beginning and I still do so what we're going to talk about now is those practical hacks and all those practical tips that have helped me and the first thing that I want you to understand is that hunger is subjective and I talked a little bit about that but different types of food are going to give you different responses it's virtually impossible to overeat on potatoes some people do um I've got some ideas why and I will talk about those but for most of us we're going to get bored and stuffed on things like plain foods very very quickly it's very easy on the other hand to overeat on fries and tomato sauce we call ketchup you guys call ketchup most of you call ketchup we say tomato sauce okay because it's hyper stimulating food so when you want to stop eating is going to depend a lot on what you are eating and I've heard this thing where people will say well we're born intuitive eaters yeah when we're just having milk in a non hyper stimulating environment but if I give my kids food they love, if I give those my kids chocolate and chips, they will eat so much. If I give my daughter noodles, she will eat almost to the point of being sick. Like, she will eat so much food. She will eat bowls and bowls of her favorite foods, even almost more than me. 
and she will pick at the food that she doesn't like. So it is so untrue to say that we are inherently intuitive eaters. We are inherently motivated by dopamine. We are inherently motivated by pleasure. So high pleasure foods are going to make you want to eat more. So with saying that, how satisfied you feel is mostly to do with volume and carbohydrates. The second, sec, the second mechanism there is how satisfied you perceive that meal to be. So it's almost, it's always most important that your meals are objectively satisfying. That's meaning that you're eating big enough portions, lots of veggies, and filling whole food carbohydrates. You cannot just eat vegetables. This is where I think a lot of people who uh, now have to eat huge, huge portions. I'm talking like four, five, six pounds. Uh, at a meal is they try and eat so so low calorie foods that are not objectively satisfying this is just one of the reasons and so they they will they will have to eat huge huge portions because it's like drinking water you can keep drinking and drinking water and you'll feel full in your stomach but you won't feel satisfied so it's really important that you're having these whole food carbohydrates that are slightly higher in calories that's your rice your beans your oats uh, your peas your corn uh, potatoes, all of those kind of foods, what are considered the starchy vegetables or the starchy foods, starches, because that is what is going to help you feel satiated and not just full. And then your veggies are there to bring some volume into that, some uh, nutrients and vitamins into that as well to help you lower the calories in that meal. But you do need to have that. So that's that's principle number one that you need to make sure that you're covering. That's the most basic kind of foundational element is that from an objective standpoint, a physiological standpoint, you are eating enough of the right kinds of foods. And then secondly, it is also super helpful to have something that is going to make your meal more subjectively satisfying. And that's things like adding elements that make you really enjoy and savor that meal for you. So that could be some like mashed avocado, I was going to say avocadoments because I've got condiments, <laughs> avocado, condiments, things like I put toasted sesame seeds, I put uh, salt and pepper and uh, hummus because I don't find meals very satisfying without those things. So I have things that make my meals more subjectively satisfying and help me to savor it as I'm eating it. So those are two things to be thinking about as you're doing it. And in terms of like worrying about whether those things are going to make you gain weight, like having a bit of avocado or hummus or condiments or whatever it is, what I want you to ask yourself is how your consistency is. Because if you're worried about, uh, you know, if you're worried about quarter of an avocado or half an avocado and your consistency is you go and drink beers and eat ice cream on the weekends, you have no claim to be worrying about your day-to-day meals yet my friend you need to get them more consistent and actually making them more satisfying will probably increase your consistency so my top tips for helping you to experience like more fullness and more satisfaction during your meal and to help to get in tune with that while eating uh, are as follows And I want to put a little disclaimer before I talk about this, is that most people do not eat enough. Most, not all, most. Uh, You can eat a lot and lose weight, right? There is a few people who, uh, 
I I think that they have what I've talked about been eating like a lot of food that they have not found satisfying that's causing them to eat more and more and more and more to try and get some kind of satisfaction um I think that that can happen and in those instances you want to be working on the next few things that I've talked about to help you with that all right but most people when especially when they start a whole foods plant-based diet they're not going to be eating enough so see what serves you in this and take the rest so first of all serving yourself a smaller portion and then telling yourself that you can have seconds all right so serve yourself like a, a moderate amount and then go back for seconds if you need to eat slowly and savor each mouthful it has been proven in a lot of studies that people who eat slowly and chew more do tend to be leaner so take advantage of eating uh, slower enjoying each mouthful it's going to create more saliva which is going to help you to feel more fullness uh, and it's going to make you slower at eating as well which is going to mean that you're going to notice that you feel full uh, before you've eaten more than you need tell yourself that you can eat more if you want to tell yourself you can always have more if you are hungry this has been so pivotal to me because I used to sell myself in a meal this is my last meal this is my last supper and so if I don't make the most of it I'm going to be going to bed hungry so I would eat so much because it was a FOMO feeling it was like I can't have dessert I can't go and have seconds I can't go or I can't go and eat you know late at night I have to stop eating at 7 p.m. so I would eat so much at that meal because it was my last hurrah if you give yourself permission to eat at 9 p.m. if you need to I'm not saying go and do it but you tell yourself you can and that you can have dessert and that you can go and have seconds or go and eat something later if you need to it's going to make you uh, not have that kind of FOMO where you you've got to just like eat and eat and eat and eat because it's the last you know enjoyment that you're going to have in your life so don't tell yourself that it's the last time that you're going to eat for x amount of hours or anything like that the other thing is to not tell yourself that it's the last time that you're going to eat xyz i used to do this as well a lot as well i would tell myself this is the last time that i'm going to eat pizza and of course it wasn't the last time but man i would eat like it was the last time i would eat like pizza was uh, going out of fashion like i would eat like there was pizza was just going to be outlawed and it was it just was such a bad way of looking at it because I was so, you know, so in this kind of thought process of I'm going to be perfect one day. So I would always tell myself, you know, this is your last chance to eat this because you're going to have to be perfect. Remove that pressure from yourself and recognize that if you're eating ice cream now, there's a huge chance that you will be eating it a week from now or a month from now. Don't tell yourself you're never going to eat it again. Tell yourself that you can have some tomorrow or you can have some later on and it's not going to mean that you have to eat it all in that one go. So that's been super key for me as well. Give yourself permission to eat later no matter the time of day. Like give yourself permission that if you are hungry at 9pm or 10pm and you really want to, you can. You probably won't. But if you're kind of preempting how much you eat 
based on how you think you're going to feel hours from now, chances are you're going to be overcompensating. I think that being able to have a little bit of dessert has made me eat a whole lot less at my dinner because I'm not thinking like this is the last thing that I'm going to be eating for the night. I'm thinking, oh, I could have, you know, a little cookie later. I can have a cup of tea. I can have a bliss ball. I can have some grapes and yogurt, whatever it is. I'm not looking at that like this is, you know, like I've got to eat all I can now because I'm thinking about, oh, I better save a little bit for later. So that personally has been helpful for me to actually eat less calories overall because I'm not overeating at my dinners. Most of these had to do with dinner because that was my biggest struggle. Check in with yourself as you eat. Ask yourself these questions. Am I still hungry? Am I still enjoying this? And then if you're not, if you're not, or even asking yourself, am I getting close to feeling like I'm full? You can always leave a little bit of food on your plate, get okay with leaving a bit of food on your plate, and then come back to it later if you need to. This is the thing where this all works in with each other, because if you're able to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this until I'm hungry for it. And you know that you can come back to it later. You're more likely to be able to leave a little bit of food on your plate. I pretty much always leave a little bit of food on my plate. Um, But I've gotten to the point now where I pretty much always know uh, around about how much to serve myself. And then I leave like a couple of mouthfuls on my plate. And I was taught as a kid to not leave any food on the plate. So that's been a, a big challenge to overcome that. Okay, so understand that over time things will change, but it might be slow. For people who are specifically, I think, overeating or really binging on foods like potatoes or uh, like fruits and things like that, I'm going to suggest to you that possibly that has to do with not finding enough satisfaction in your day-to-day meals and not kind of checking in with yourself how you're going and maybe having some rules around that, which are making that, you're feeling that FOMO, you're feeling like you're trying to satisfy some kind of craving and you're not able to do that for me I find that I have so much more enjoyment in my meals when I'm having you know I have my salt I have a bit of hummus I have fats in there I have toasted sesame seeds and I use condiments I make my meals enjoyable but still in line with my goals and I don't feel like I have to eat to satisfy like I have to eat huge things to satisfy myself because I'm satisfied with that Another thing I want to say is I don't think there's anything wrong with being someone who likes to eat a lot of food, all right? I like to eat a lot of food, and I eat more than most people, but I eat a lot less than a lot of other people, and I know there's this idea of kind of being a volume eater or being not a volume eater, and I don't even actually know how you know, how much scientific evidence there is to support that. Like, I think that obviously some people like to eat more than others, but those portion sizes or things that you like to eat are not necessarily fixed, all right? We have been steadily eating more in terms of portion sizes since the 60s and 70s. We've seen the portion sizes have gone up. Like, we do tend to eat more as a society, and you see other parts of the world. Like, I was shocked when I was in Korea at how little even grown men would eat. So a lot of how much we eat has to do with our culture, it has to do with the kind of foods that we're eating, and it has to do with the kind of 
things that we tell ourselves and how we perceive food to be, how we perceive satisfaction and all of these kind of things. The takeaway from that is that how you are right now is not fixed. It is changeable. It is malleable. And that I think that there's there's hope in that. We have to let go of this idea that it's a badge of honor to be eating less, but that also that you will inherently need to be eating more to be fitting in with the people that do or that do like to eat a huge volume of food. Personally, I've found a lot of freedom in knowing that I can eat as much as I want, but that I don't always have to eat huge amounts, that I can also eat less and be satisfied with that. I think that this is a very personal journey and my biggest takeaway from you would be that we have the ability to change over time. We have the ability to change our weight and where we end up. We have the ability to change how we perceive food and the satisfaction that we gain from it. We have the ability to change what feels satisfying for us in terms of how much we eat and our portion sizes. We have a huge capacity for change and growth and take what works for you and use that. Be okay with this being a process which is going to feel a little bit messy and is going to take time. What serves you now might not always and when it comes to hunger you can become more in tune with that and it is a very freeing experience. So I hope this episode has been helpful for you. It has been a really long episode. Uh, Please let me know on Instagram if you found this helpful and what your takeaways are from that. And I will see you next week for another podcast. Please don't forget to leave a review if you like this podcast. And that Lean of Plants, the program that I run, which is all about how to design a lifestyle that works for you on a whole foods plant-based diet that gets you lean and really developing the habits that are going to maintain that long term. Get on the wait list. We are opening again on the 26th of October 2021. You can also leave a review. It helps to let the podcast gods know that this is a great podcast. So, and thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for everyone that has left reviews and uh, rated this podcast because it is hugely, hugely helpful. And I love that you're part of that. So thank you again. And I will talk to you next week for another episode. Goodbye.